you're listening to Time in the Word. To understand Israel's importance in the prophetic future, we must first understand the unconditional covenants God made with Israel. These covenants govern our understanding of the Jewish people and govern our understanding of Bible prophecy. Later biblical covenants expanded three particular aspects of the Abrahamic covenant, the promises of the land, the seed, and the blessing. In this program, Dr. Gonzalez concludes his study of the Abrahamic Covenant and goes on to discuss those three aspects of the Abrahamic Covenant, the Palestinian or Land Covenant, the Davidic Covenant, and the New Covenant. As God ministers to you through this series of studies and as you experience God's love and grace in your own life, share these podcasts with others so that they too may be blessed by God's Word and His amazing grace. Let us listen as Dr. Gonzalez continues his study on End Times Prophecy. Father, we thank you for this time. We pray that the Spirit of the living God would open the eyes and ears of our hearts and understanding. May you remove from our minds any preconceived ideas that we may have concerning Bible prophecy and just create in us a clean slate so that you may impart to us your truth and that we may be able to accept it by faith. We thank you, we love you, we praise you and worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, uh, once again, we are continuing our study in Bible prophecy. Last week, we started looking at the role of Israel in world history. And we were considering Israel's past. We were talking about the covenants that God has made with Israel and the importance these covenants and understanding these covenants play in uh, good uh, prophetic uh, interpretation. We were looking at the Abrahamic covenant. We sort of uh, finished uh, uh, at least most most of it. I want to reiterate a couple points before we go to the next few covenants. We did uh, consider the personal promises that God had made to Abraham through the through the uh, Abrahamic covenant. We looked at the national promises that God made uh, in the Abrahamic covenant, and we were talking about the universal promise that God had made uh, in the Abrahamic covenant and that was uh, in essence fulfilled by the by the coming the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ the gospel became available to the entire world and all people are able to come and receive forgiveness for their sins uh, because of what Jesus has done on our behalf uh, and this is understood to be a fulfillment of that universal promise because Christ comes from the lineage of Abraham he's one of Abraham's offspring uh, and I, I was reading a couple of quotes from some uh, Bible prophecy experts regarding that last promise. And I want to read one more quote and then we'll move on and look at some of the uh, other covenants. One uh, Bible prophecy expert says, except for the original condition of leaving his homeland and going to the promised land, the covenant is made with no conditions whatever. And this is, again, to reiterate how, what we were saying at the end of last program, this is an unconditional, unconditional and eternal promise. It's an eternal covenant. In other words, Israel or the offspring of Abraham has n is not required to do anything in order for this covenant to be fulfilled. The fulfillment of this covenant uh, uh, lays exclusively on the shoulders of God himself. And we'll, we'll make this point a little bit further uh, down the road. Uh, he continues to say, it is rather a prophetic declaration of God uh, of what will certainly come to pass. 
and is no more conditional than any other announced plan of God which depends upon God's sovereignty for its fulfillment. Listen, the only requirement that God had of Abraham was that Abraham was to leave his country, Ur of the Chaldeans, and go to the, pro to the land that God was to give him. Once Abraham obeyed God and left Ur, there was nothing else either Abraham or his descendants needed to do in order for this covenant to be fulfilled. God promised that he would fulfill this covenant and placed no conditions or requirements on Abraham or his uh, offspring in order for this covenant to be fulfilled. Absolutely imperative that you understand that. Therefore, it is an unconditional irrevocable, eternal covenant, which God must fulfill, because if he doesn't, then we have a bigger problem. God is a liar. If he said he would do it and doesn't do it, we have a problem. How do I know, therefore, that I am still safe today if he once saved me, if we can't rely on the promises of God? God said, this is an unconditional, eternal, irrevocable covenant. I will fulfill it. Now, that was the Abrahamic covenant. We're going to be looking at three other covenants. These are separate covenants, but they're sort of expansions or, or uh, uh, extensions of the Abrahamic covenant. We're going to look at the Palestinian or the land covenant. We're going to look at the Davidic covenant. And we're going to look at the new covenant. All of them play a significant role in biblical prophecy. And again, you must have a pretty good understanding of what these covenants are uh, and what they pertain to if you are going to properly interpret, divide the word of God when it comes to um, biblical prophecy. So the first one we're going to look at, or the second one technically, the second one we're going to look, look uh, at is the Palestinian or uh, the land covenant. Either or, uh, uh, it could be referred to as land or Palestinian covenant. Now, the land promise was expanded in this particular covenant that God had made to Abraham, and you can find that in Deuteronomy chapters 28 29 and 30. Obviously, we're not going to read those. It would take up the whole uh, program to, to read those three chapters. So I'm going to give you the references. You go back and read them for yourself. You should be doing that anyway. Uh, don't take my word for any, uh, of anything. Just take what I say, compare it to Scripture, and, and let Scripture uh, tell you whether I'm right or wrong. Uh, now, this covenant, like the Abrahamic covenant, listen, once again important, is an unconditional covenant as well. This has to do, obviously, i.e. by the name, has to do with the land portion of the promise God made to Abraham in the national uh, uh, promise. And we're going to look at, at, at several passages here and we're going to uh, read a couple of quotations from some uh, uh, Bible expert. Uh, God clearly told Abraham that his seed, his seed would possess the land and that covenant was reaffirmed both with Isaac and Jacob. In other words, God made it with Abraham, but he reconfirmed, reaffirmed the same covenant with both Isaac and Jacob. Listen to what this uh, author says. He says, since the Palestinian covenant is really an elaboration of the land aspect of the Abrahamic covenant, it too, like the Abrahamic, is unconditional. There are no conditions attached to its ultimate fulfillment. 
as with the unconditional Abrahamic covenant, disobedience, listen, disobedience and failure could well bring loss of blessing, but could never annul the covenant. I want to stop there for a second because that's a very important point he makes. Just because the Jews over history have been dispersed and exiled from the land, it in no way implies that God has removed the title deed to the land of Canaan from the Jews. It simply means that they lost the right to currently live in the land, but that the land is still theirs. Then he goes on to say, the Old Testament clearly records Israel's sins that caused them to lose the right to live in the land. But as we, as we shall see, even these failures did not set the covenant aside. Any conditions related to the receiving or losing of the, of the blessing, not to the ultimate fulfillment. Listen, for Israel in order to live in peace in the promised land, to experience safety and prosperity, they were required of God, listen, to experience peace safety and prosperity. They were required of God to remain faithful and obedient to God's laws. If they failed to remain obedient to God and to God's laws and they turned their back on God, God will cause them to be exiled or dispersed from the land. But as the covenant reads, the fact that they have been exiled from the land does not mean, once again, that they have lost the right to own the land. They have just simply lost the right to live on that land for the, for the given period of time. Now listen, we know for a fact from, old, from the Old Testament and we know for a fact from world history that the Jews on a number of occasions have been dispersed and exiled from the land. We know they had come, they had been in Egypt and they had returned to the Promised Land. We know they had been taken uh, captive uh, by Babylon. But if you notice something, listen, every single time Israel was exiled or dispersed or scattered from the land of Palestine, every single time God allowed the Jews to return to the promised land and rebuild the nation. That is critical to understand because this is the point I want to make at this particular stage. We have currently a regathering of the nation of, of the Jewish people back in the Palestinian land, and we're going to elaborate on this a lot more once we get uh, further into the study. I just want to make a point here. It is within God's program that the Jews, even though they are returning to the promised land currently in unbelief, therefore in sin, it is within God's program that they begin returning to the promised land so that God can prepare the stage and prepare the hearts of the Jews to at some point in the future accept Jesus Christ as their Messiah. We know, and we're going to get into a lot more detail about this later on, but we know that the fact that Israel became a recognized sovereign state in 1948 is the fulfillment of prophecy before our very own eyes. Yes, Israel still rejects Jesus Christ as their Messiah, but they're being regathered in order to set the stage for God to once for all deal with His people and them once for all accept Christ as their Messiah. Listen, so the Palestinian or the land covenant simply expands on the Abrahamic covenant, the portion that deals with the land that they are to possess. In the Palestinian or the land covenant, uh, uh, 
the Jews and we as Christians and anybody who reads the Bible for that matter is clearly instructed that the land that God once promised to Abraham is the land that they owned uh, 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 a thousand years after the covenant was made, two thousand years after the covenant was made in the 21st century. That covenant is still in effect and God is still in the process of completing and fulfilling that covenant. He has never ever revoked the right of the Jews to possess the land. Now, they've never actually possessed the entire promised land. We know that from history because much of the Arab world is part of the promised land. It's currently being inhabited by the people who live there, but they have never possessed the entire promised land. But the promise is that when Christ returns and establishes his millennium kingdom, he will give them the promised land, all of the promised land for them to inhabit something they have never ever done since the covenant was made with Abraham. Then we want to look at the third covenant and it's also an expansion of the of the Abrahamic covenant and that is the Davidic covenant. God made a covenant with David, King David. Um, if you look at 2 Samuel chapter 7 and I'll read, read uh, I might read a couple passages again just to give you the, the background. 2 Samuel Chapter 7, uh, I'll give you some of the pointers uh, to the Davidic covenant in, in Samuel chapter 7, 2 Samuel 7, 4 through uh, 16. Listen to what it says. That night, the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, Go and tell my servant David, this is what the Lord says. Are you the one to build me a house to dwell in? I have not dwelt in a house from the day I brought the Israelites up out of Egypt to this day. I have been moving from place to place with a tent as my dwelling. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, um, lost my place. Wherever I have moved with all the Israelites, did I ever say to any of their rulers whom I commanded uh, to shepherd my people Israel, why have you not built me a house of cedar? Now then, tell my servant David, this is what the Lord Almighty says. I took you from the pasture and from following the flock to be ruler, listen, this is important, to be ruler over my people Israel. I have been with you wherever you have gone. I have cut off all your enemies from before you. Now I will make your name great, like the names of the greatest men of the earth. And I will provide a place for my people Israel and will plant them so that they can have a home of their own and no longer be disturbed. Wicked people will not oppress them anymore as they did at the beginning and have done ever since the time I appointed leaders over my people Israel. I will also give you rest from all your enemies. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. Listen. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom. This is important. Remember this. He is the one who will build a house for my name and I will establish the throne of his kingdom. Listen, forever. We're coming back to that. 
I will be his father and he will be my son. When he does wrong, I will punish him with the rod of men, with floggings uh, inflicted by men. And then uh, there's other passages, and I won't read them, but I'll give you the 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 the, the reference. First uh, Chronicles chapter 17, verses 3 uh, through 15. Listen, here's an unconditional uh, uh, covenant made with David as well. This is an unconditional covenant made with David as well. And this is what essentially, this is an expansion of um, not the land covenant, we saw that in the Palestinian, this is an expansion of the fact that the kingdom of David would eventually be fulfilled by Christ assuming David's throne forever. There are several things that we want to highlight as we consider this particular covenant. Listen, God said in 2 Samuel uh, chapter uh, 7 verse 13, he is the one who will build the house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Who is he speaking of? Who can sit on the throne of David forever? Could David? Absolutely not. He is a human being who, in time, passes away. Christ is the one who will assume the throne of David. In fact, Christ is often referred to in the Word of God as the son of David. Uh, he came from the loins of David. He's a descendant, an offspring of, of, of David, and his kingdom will be established forever. And then he says in, in verse 16, your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. And in Psalm 89, verses 3 through 4, listen to what the psalmist said. You said, I have made a covenant with my chosen one. I have sworn to David, my servant, I will establish your line forever and make your throne firm through all generations. Listen, this is an expansion of the fact that, that of the promise that God had originally made to Abraham, that, that the, uh, the kingdom uh, would be uh, established and it would last forever, and that Christ would be eventually the one to sit on the throne of David and rule forevermore. There are five basic provisions, and, and we just read them in, in 2 Samuel chapter 7. There are five basic provisions to the Davidic covenant. First of all, David would have a great name. You remember I just read that. Second, David would have rest from his enemies. Thirdly, and three, three four, and five are, are, are the ones that I want to highlight here most importantly. Thirdly, David's lineage, listen, David's lineage would be unending. Four, David's throne, not that David would sit on that throne, but David's throne would be established forever. And fifth, David's kingdom, listen, David's kingdom would have no end. This is the Davidic covenant, okay? Uh, it is foundational for the messianic hope of the Hebrew Bible, and it's the basis of the New Testament expectation of a future kingdom. Listen, if there is no millennial reign of Christ here on earth, how will this covenant, this promise made to David, be fulfilled? It is imperative that Christ comes to this world and establishes a literal kingdom on this earth where he will literally rule for a thousand years because in that thousand year reign of Christ we find 
the fulfillment of the promise that God made to David. So it is absolutely imperative that we understand that. And we're also told, and this is a hint, we're also told that the one who would sit on David's throne would have a father-son relationship with God. Did not God himself say uh, in the Gospels, this is my son in whom I am well pleased? And did not Jesus often in praying to God refer to the father as his father? This is exactly what uh, God told David would occur uh, as part of the covenant that he made with him. Now listen, this promise found its fulfillment with the birth of Jesus. I want to read you something from the New Testament. Luke chapter 1 and verses 32 and 33. Listen to what the uh, the gospel says. He will be great and be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him, listen, the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David. Who are we talking about? We're talking about Jesus. And he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. You see, the the, the fulfillment of this promise was when Jesus came in the incarnation, but he will actually sit on the literal throne of David during the millennium reign here on earth. Listen, before I get into the last covenant, I want to read one more quotation here. This gentleman says, the Davidic covenant is most important in assuring, listen, this is important, the millennial kingdom in which Christ will reign on earth. There must be a millennial kingdom because that will be the fulfillment of the Davidic covenant. It is absolutely imperative. The Davidic covenant demands a millennial kingdom. Resurrected David will reign under Christ as a prince over the house of Israel. The Davidic covenant is not fulfilled by Christ reigning on his throne in heaven as David has never and never will sit upon the Father's throne. It is rather an earthly kingdom and an earthly throne. The Davidic covenant is accordingly the key of God's prophetic program yet to be fulfilled. Absolutely agree with, with, with this uh, prophecy, this author. Now, let's get into the last one. The new covenant. So we've talked about the Abrahamic covenant. We broke the Abrahamic covenant into three categories, the personal promises, the national promises, and the universal promises. Now we're looking at the expansion of those promises by looking at the Palestinian or land covenant, where God reaffirms uh, the promised land to the Jews and the title deed to that land forever, their everlasting possession. And then we looked at the Davidic covenant, which has to do with, with, with how Abraham was going to be a blessing to the rest of the world, because through his offspring would eventually come David and eventually Christ who would be the son of David physically having come from his loins. And Christ again is the fulfillment of that Davidic promise but the millennial kingdom is demanded by the Davidic covenant because Christ has to literally physically rule from David's throne on this earth. The last covenant we're going to look at and it's important that we understand this one as well is the land covenant. Uh, This one you find first mentioned in Jeremiah 31. In fact we get the name new covenant 
covenant from Jeremiah. If you look at Jeremiah chapter 31, I'll go there real quick. Jeremiah 31, and we're looking at verses uh, 31 through 34. It says here, The time is coming, declares the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. It will not be like the covenant I made with their forefathers when I took them uh, by the hand to lead them out of Egypt, because they broke my covenant, though I was a husband to them, declares the Lord. This is a covenant I will make with the house of Israel after the time, after that time, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their minds and I will write it in their hearts and I will be their God. No longer will a, will a man teach his neighbor or a man his brother saying, know the Lord because they, are all, they will all know me from the least of them to the greatest, declares the Lord. Well, it looks like we're going to have to end our session right now, so we're going to have to come back and and uh, finish this portion of, of, of Israel's past and then get into Israel's present and future. Let's pray. Father, we thank you once again for your precious word. We thank you for the spirit. We thank you that you are indeed a sovereign God, that uh, in spite of anything that we may have as preconceived ideas in our mind, whatever you say is true regardless. We thank you for the fact that you love us and care for us so dearly. We ask you uh, to uh, help us grow and be conformed to the image of Christ. For it is in his name we pray. Amen.